Welcome back to the Possibility Department, the space for constantly curious seekers where personal growth meets metaphysics and occultism. If you're willing to entertain the possibility of anything and everything when it comes to the nature of reality, then this is the place for you. My name is Luciana and I'll be your host as we theorize about both spiritual and psychological templates to aid in constructing and crystallizing our ideal life experiences. We'll be engaging in methods of mysticism, myth, philosophy, and psychology, all while hopefully fanning the flames of your very own personal creative renaissance. We're here to create our lives, not just live them. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Possibility Department Podcast. Thank you for being here. Took a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, I'm doing a lot of visioning for the future of both the podcast and the possibility department in general. I sense that 2022 will be a year of many changes, and to be honest with you, I'm feeling a little lazy about it, but also pretty excited. Um, So let's hop into this one. I'm estimating it will be a short episode, but I felt it was important to bring to you nonetheless before the new year. But before we go any further, you know I have to thank my sponsor level patrons over on level three on Patreon where I post all of my content and I have a community and we talk about occultism and mysticism and self-development and all the things. So thank you so much for supporting me on level three. Sarah, Noelle, Myriad, Tara, Ingrid, Brittany, Erica, Mariella, Susie, Amy, Brianna, Sydney, Hannah, and Deborah. Thank you so much for your support, and without further ado, let's get into it, shall we? I want to talk about the reason why I hate New Year's resolutions. <laughs> I think they're the worst. The worst. They suck. They're, they're the worst. At this point, it's nothing more than just another reason to market us things that we don't need and that we won't use. Um... <laughs> I'm really, I'm, I'm against New Year's resolutions. And here's why. Because often they are just sort of empty promises to ourselves that have no basis in things that we really actually truly want. And there's often no plan to them. You know, it's just something that you say you're going to do. And so often, especially with New Year's resolutions, we don't analyze the reason why we want to do them. And you've come to find that maybe it wasn't so important to you at all, but then you're disappointed in yourself because it's February and you've already sort of flopped on it, you know? So like, I don't know, what's a good example? So many people have New Year's resolutions that involve, I don't know, workout equipment and celery juice, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And if I just set an empty New Year's resolution that every... You know, every day I'm going to make myself celery juice, which honestly sounds pretty disgusting. I've never had it myself. But if I just sort of make that empty resolution without asking myself why that's important to me or why that seemed to be the most important thing to have a resolution around or putting a plan in place for how that's going to happen or systems in place, then it's, it's going to flop. And you might sit there and argue with me and say, well, I don't need a plan to make celery juice. I disagree. You do. You do. Habits are hard to form. Can you hear my fist hitting my 
calm, habits are hard to form. All over the internet and in the self-development world, people act like habits are just easy. Like you can wake up tomorrow and you can implement a habit. You know why? Because there's this huge misconception that habits take, what is it, 14 days? It takes 14 days to form a habit. Well, (laughs) according to Healthline, it can take up to 254 days. And the last time that article was medically reviewed was in 2019. So that technically is somewhat of an old article. But still, I am of the mind that we need time to integrate We need time to figure out what systems work best for our habits. If I wake up in the morning with no actual plan to make the juice, then I'm not going to make it. So let's talk about what I prefer to do instead of New Year's resolutions, shall we? One of the downfalls of resolutions, and I think one of the reasons why we flop on them, is because they are unexciting. It's just like one thing that you say you're going to do, and usually it's like a small habit, and there's nothing, for lack of a better word, there's nothing juicy about it, right? Like, it's nothing that necessarily, like, excites you and gets you pumped up for life. It's often just one habit that is somewhat empty. Or, let me rephrase, empty from my point of view, right? This is a podcast where I I get on a mic and I talk about things that work for me and haven't worked for me in the solo episodes. And so this is obviously my opinion that you're free to disagree with. And in fact, I wouldn't blame you for it. I see the opposing view as well. But what I like to do is I like to ask myself, how do I want to feel throughout the duration of the next year? And who do I want to be? by the end of next year. Not what do I want to have or how do I want to look to other people. And I'm not saying that in like a holier than thou way because I've certainly set a lot of intentions and tried to chase things based on other people's perception of me. The reason why I'm so against that now is because it doesn't bring you joy. When you set an intention or you set a goal primarily for the reason to impress someone other than yourself or to gain validation from someone other than yourself, it just doesn't bring you joy. It feels good for like three seconds and then that feeling goes away so quick, man. So quick. That feeling melts. And then you need that other ping of validation again. So I want to preface by saying I'm not saying this from a place of like holier than now I'm saying this from a place of experience that it's just not it doesn't it's not good it doesn't feel good so I like to think of how do I want to feel throughout the duration of the coming year and who do I want to be at the end of it and the thing is is that for me this is a process and people who are my patrons on patreon through the various very personal episodes that are Basically, some of them are like audio diaries, which is so vulnerable. But through a lot of those personal episodes, I talk a lot about sort of my cycles with these things. Ever since I started diving into, you know, occultism and the metaphysical and as of recently, philosophy and self-development, I've developed sort of this, my own wheel of the year, if you will, where certain months are for certain things as far as reflection for me. And usually in the October to November to December to January realm, it's a pretty big chunk, I'm winding down from the year and I'm starting to think about 
these questions. How do I want to feel and who do I want to be? So this is a really long process because those are complicated questions, right? When we ask ourselves these questions of who do I want to be, how do I want to feel? Well, there's like a million answers, man. You know, <laughs> I want to feel amazing. I want to feel beautiful. I want to feel perfect. I want to feel powerful. I want to feel all of all of the things, right? I want to have all of the things. I want to feel all of the things. And so this is a big narrowing down kind of process where you can sit and you can brainstorm and write down everything. Don't limit yourself. Who do you want to be and how do you want to feel and write down everything. And then after that, you can get specific and then you can put in the habits, not just one habit for a New Year's resolution, but you can ask yourself about all of the habits that you want to have, all of the knowledge that you want to seek, all the things you want to learn, all the relationships or friendships that you want to form. Then you can start to get really nitty gritty about all of the little details about what your daily life is going to look like, all the way down to the way you want your morning routine to go and the way you want your sip of coffee to taste. I'm not kidding. Life is for living, right? Like, if we have the power to design these little moments, then why not at least try? We will inevitably fail in some cases and or in many cases because life is unpredictable, chaos exists in this universe, but why not harness the little slices of life that we can control? And this is one of them. You know, our society regards the turning of the year as kind of like this transition into a new era every single time, every year. And so why not use that time to sort of harness this shedding of skin and a rebirth of sorts, who you want to be next. And the beautiful thing about it is that I've worked with themes of the year probably for three or four years now. Um... I came in contact with the idea through Joanna DeVoe's podcast. I've had Joanna on the podcast here as well. You can listen to those episodes. Um, this is something that she has talked about extensively. And so I've worked with this for probably three or four years. And every theme of the year, I've, I've never had it not work for me, if that makes sense. I always end the year where there are so many lessons, choosing one single theme is like choosing a teacher for the whole year. And it just teaches you over and over and over and over again. And it becomes a part of you. The theme that you selected, you know, the theme that I had for 2019 is forever going to be a part of me. The theme for 2020 is forever going to be a part of me. It doesn't leave you. Why? Because you worked with it for a whole year. So here's a process that is simple that I recommend. Go wild. Give yourself a nice blank sheet of paper and write down everything that you want to be and feel in the next year. Everything. I want to feel joyful. I want to feel powerful. I want to feel sexy. I want to feel wonderful. I want to feel exhilarated. All of it. And write down all the things that you want to be. You know, I want to be confident. I want to be the person that people come to. Whatever it is. Write it all down and don't limit yourself. And then start writing down all of the minute things, the habits that you want to implement, the relationships you want to form, the boundaries you want to have, the way you want your life to look, the simple joys that you want to partake in, the things that you want to own or buy, that's totally okay too, as long as it's coming from an authentic place, which brings me to the next part. 
after you've listed everything, 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 everything that you want to be, do, feel, everything that you envision for yourself, you're going to perform a little bit of an audit and just go over this whole web of chaos, asking yourself the simple question of what do I want for me? Not for anyone else's outward perception of me. And if there's anything on that paper that you feel like you might just want for the outward perception for how someone else perceives you, then cross it out because you're going to be saving yourself a lot of time by not pursuing that. Because at the end of the day, you might put in the work to get it and then it might not bring you joy. Now you should be left with the ideal version of what you want your life to look like. And keep in mind, this has many, many categories, right? This is your home, your organization, your systems, your relationships, your boundaries, the way you feel when you wake up in the morning, your routines, your self-care, your self-love, how you nourish yourself, how you nourish others, how you love others, your career, your friendships. It goes on and on and on. And again, I, I really recommend getting super detailed with it all the way down to, you know, how you want to feel when you do your self-care routine at night, like the way that you want that to feel or what you want to wear (laughs) all the way down to just like, we're talking about life design here. So you've gotten down to the details and then you've X'd out the things that you know that you want for some sort of outside perception, not for yourself. And now you're left with a big web of habits and words and themes. So you're going to look all of these webs of words and things that you wrote down and you're going to ask yourself for a common theme amongst all of them and this might be hard at first and it can be hard depending and you will probably have to eliminate some things or others because you know a year is a long time but also you want it to be small enough of a focus to where you can keep at it for the whole year. So you probably will eliminate some things, but just at first glance, you want to look at this paper and all of the webs of chaos and words and ask yourself, what is one common theme that incorporates all of this? Or one of my personal favorites, what is a common archetype? that incorporates all of this. So I know many of you listening probably already know what an archetype is, but uh, if you're an occultism newbie, (laughs) allow me to briefly explain. Simply, simply, simply put, an archetype is like a, a typical example of a person or a way of being. It's like, it's a typical example of a personality, almost like a a box, but it also goes further than just personality. Archetypes, at least today, modernly, are used as kind of these, well, I want to say modernly in self-development. Let me say that. Modernly in self-development, a lot of us use archetypes as a container to put our aspirations in and embody. And so this idea was popularized by Carl Jung. I don't, I don't think, I don't know that it was invented by Carl Jung, uh, but Carl Jung was a Swiss psychiatrist and popularized the idea of archetypes, this, these inherent personalities that live within us, um, and always have lived within us and always will live within us. And we can access these different parts of ourselves and these different personalities. Now, though I have not read Jung, which 
I keep getting recommended and I, I really do. It's on my to-do list. I need to read Jung. Um, though I've not read Jung, I do know that the Jungian idea of archetypes is not the same as what I'm talking about sort of modernly in the self-development world where you would just choose a someone to embody them for self-development purposes. Jung's idea was more of a theory on the human psyche, I guess you could say, um, on specifically 12 archetypes, and those were the ruler, the creator, or the artist, the sage, the innocent, the explorer, the rebel, the hero, the wizard, the jester, the everyman, the lover, and the caregiver. So it was the idea that those are almost like these common mythic figures that exist within all of us and that we can tap into. But now in a self-development sense, we go beyond those archetypes. And so the idea is, let's say that my whole life I've had a hard time speaking up for myself. If I were to embody the archetype of I don't know, some bold pop culture figure who always speaks up for herself, that might be helpful to me. That's the way that I've seen it modernly used. And so this can be anything, anything. You'll see usually in self-development and also spirituality, a lot of people will choose a deity or a spirit of some kind that they feel that they resonate with. And the thing is, is that you don't have to believe that that spirit or that that deity is real in order to use them as an archetype that you can embody. So for example, I worked with, that's kind of what we say in the community, quote, worked with, unquote, the archetype of Artemis for probably about a year. Um, and I had like a little altar and to remind me of sort of her energy, so to speak, and what I was trying to work on. And I don't... I don't deny the possibility of any deity existing because this is the possibility department. I don't deny the existence of anything, but I don't necessarily believe that Artemis is out there somewhere floating on a cloud or whatever. But I was still able to work with that as a container to put my desires in, if that makes sense. So here is where you could look at this piece of paper and this web of habits and things that you want to be and ask yourself, is there anyone in the collective consciousness that already exists that embodies all of these things? And for some people, this can be someone in pop culture. This can be a famous person. They're not going to know. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> this could be a famous person, this could be a fictional character, this could be, as I said, a deity or a spirit, it could be someone from myth, it could be a Marvel superhero. I mean, you can really get fantastical with it, because here's the best part, no one has to know. You, you, you can make it as, as, quote, silly, unquote, as you want. It doesn't matter. It's in the privacy of your own mind. That's why mental reframing is so beautiful and so wonderful. And I love it so much. It's utilizing the power of imagination, truly. It's utilizing the power of imagination to reframe our thought process, in a sense, and therefore that changes our decision making and therefore that changes our life all because we're just using our imagination a little bit. I mean, that's the secret sauce that I guess we forgot when we became adults is that we let go of imagination. And so by looking at all of the things that you want to be and feel and have and do in the upcoming year 
and then asking yourself, is there someone who already, quote, exists, unquote, in the collective consciousness, meaning it doesn't have to actually exist, but it could be part of a story or a myth or something that's fictional. Is there any person or creature or being that already sort of encompasses all of this that I can use as a focal image throughout the year to continue to come back to via embodiment. This is something that I talk about in my episode called What is Chaos Magic? And I talk about the power of embodiment and sort of shifting states. I think I gave the example of um, Marilyn Monroe and the famous story where she was in New York City and she loved being in New York because she was unrecognized and she was with a friend and turned to the friend and said, do you want to see me become Marilyn Monroe or do you want me, do you want, do you want to see me become her? And her friend was like, yeah, I guess. And she changed her body language and all of a sudden people noticed her. And embodiment is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. And I can say that from firsthand experience. So here's the thing. If you're looking at your web of paper and, or your web of words on paper, and you notice that a lot of the themes have to do with self-love, for example. You know, let's say that your goal is to treat yourself better and to give yourself more time and to get back on track with, like, your skin routine because it makes you feel good. That's a personal one. (laughs) And you also want to have better boundaries with people and not let them take up all your time and not be the person that everyone calls for everything. You also want to learn to love yourself and the way you look, you know. Let's say that you're seeing a big theme of of self-love in all of it. Your theme of the year could be self-love, or it could get more specific than that. It could be some form of mythological creature or deity that you feel like embodies that. I feel like it is useful to have an image and to print out that image and to put it somewhere in your home or, I don't know, in your bathroom mirror, somewhere where you can see it. Because here's the thing. I think the power really comes from every day tuning back into that goal or that archetype and asking, if I was this person, what would I do? And going from that place and then forming the habits in my experience becomes easier because it's almost like you're playing pretend. It's almost like you're asking yourself, if I was this person, then what would I do in this moment? And so if we keep going with the example of self-love, because we're here, why not? And let's let's go with the celebrity example, because that's more tangible. Uh, when I think of a celebrity that loves themselves, I think of Alicia Keys, because she's so famously, a couple years ago now, I think, decided to go makeup-free. She's a celebrity who doesn't wear makeup. She shows up to award shows not wearing makeup. And it's not that she's anti-makeup. She thinks makeup is great and it's great that people use it, but she did it as an act of self-love because she wanted to to love herself and feel beautiful as herself and not use makeup as a crutch because she felt that was what she was using it for. She wasn't using it for adornment. She was using it because she was afraid to go out without it and she wanted to love herself without it. And, and love everything that comes with it. Real skin has texture and scarring, and I'm sorry to say, pores. 
And God damn it, she's beautiful. She's beautiful with makeup. She's beautiful without makeup. She's beautiful. She's a beautiful person. So when I think of a celebrity that really loves herself, I think of Alicia Keys. So if this was kind of your thing, if you're looking at that piece of paper and almost everything goes back to self-love, you could literally ask yourself, what would Alicia Keys do? That could be your deal for the whole year. And I know it sounds silly. I get it. I, I know what it sounds like. I'm well aware. But I'm here to tell you that things like this work. It just depends on what appeals to you and what kind of person you are. Personally, I've never used a celebrity as an archetype. For me, it's always someone from maybe myth or history. And I've had phrases as my theme of the year. One of my themes was bravery once. And so... It can be anything. That's the beauty of it. It can be anything. It could be as simple as a word. If I were brave, what would I do in this moment? And the thing is, is that when you come from that place of a theme of the year and you come from that place of embodiment, it is going to ripple out and affect your habits. So instead of just focusing on that one tiny habit of I'm going to drink celery juice every single day, if that truly is important to you for health reasons or whatever it is, whatever your reasoning is, and it relates to the theme that you have chosen, then you're inevitably going to add that in as a habit anyways, because it's embedded into the theme for you. If I were persistent, what would I do right now? You would make the juice or whatever it is. I feel like that's a terrible example. <laughs> so I love working with the theme of the year, and I just wanted to share this to see if, I don't know, there's any interest out there. Um, this episode was a little different because this is more personal. I have deleted a lot of my episodes like this that are very personal because I felt they were very vulnerable. And so those are behind a paywall on Patreon. Uh, so I would love to know how you feel about more personal episodes like this. So please shoot me a message. And if you haven't already, please leave me a review. I haven't gotten a review in a long time and they really, really help. So I would be, I would, I would really appreciate that. And most of all, I want to close this out by saying that this is a massive process. Truly it is. Here's how it works for me. You know, in October, I start winding down from the year and like reflecting on what's been done very lightly. I start kind of taking it easy and I say taking it easy, like mentally, you know, I'm still working and doing my job and all that other stuff, still keeping my life afloat. November, I start thinking about general big ideas, big broad things, broad words. December, I start niching down and, and really starting to think about a central theme or an archetype. Uh, January, I'm still in that space where I'm working on it and I'm getting more specific with like the list, the habits, the way I want my year to look, all of that stuff. And then I use February as a time to put the plans into place. I'm talking spreadsheets. I'm talking calendars. I'm talking note apps, <laughs> alarms, all of the structural stuff to make it happen because that's the second part of the plan. Especially if you have a lot of things on your page that are on your, you know, blank page that you wrote all over that are tiny little habits or ways that you want to feel, you have to have a plan in place for that. You do. I know it sounds silly to say that you need a plan in place to wake up and do stretches, but you do. You have to make it easy for yourself. You truly do. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. And that doesn't mean that you failed or that you're a bad person. It means that life is hectic and you got a lot going on, okay? So if you want to wake up and do stretches every morning, then put the workout clothes right next to the bed. 
So it's like right there. It, it's on the floor. So your feet hit it. I have an alarm clock. It's called a clocky. And it's a like a, it's called a robot alarm clock, although it's not really much of a robot. And it blares really loud and it has wheels. And so it moves in the morning and I have to go chase it. <laughs> and that's part of what helps me to get up early. It's, it's a plan. It's part of a plan. Just an alarm to get me up early isn't going to work because I'm going to reach over and I'm going to snooze it and I'm going to go back to sleep. But the clocky makes me chase it. So that's what I do in February as I look at all the little the micro goals and habits and things that I want to have or do or be or whatever the thing is. And then I ask myself, how can I make this easy on myself? What are the systems that I can set up and put in place to make this easy on myself? Which is why it is important to have just a couple of central things. So for me, I would say that I'll usually have like my big theme and then I'll have like five to eight like subcategory type things that I'm working on. And usually they kind of all mesh together into one where if I'm coming from that place of my central theme, then it's all going to kind of happen anyways, like my theme of bravery that one year. It would that was actually the year I launched my podcast, go figure. And I think that was the year I also launched my website. Oh, and I submitted a proposal to a publisher that I never heard back from, but still it was brave of me. <laughs> So a lot of like putting myself out there that year, which was very hard for me because I was very afraid. And so I knew that a central theme for the year that would help me is bravery, is constantly asking myself, if I were brave, what would I do right now? Who would I be right now? What decision would I make right now? And the thing is, is like I said, it it does change you forever because you're working with it for a whole year, a whole damn year. And it ripples out and it affects the rest of your life. And as I said, it's like having a teacher. It's like having a a teacher for a whole year. And best part, best part, guys, it's free. F-R-E-E, free. It helps. It's fun. It's creative. And it's free. Those are my favorite things. So why not? Why not? And you can, I mean, if you're a creative person, you can make it fun. You could do a vision board. You could do a collage. You could set up like a a pretty little altar that has like the focal image so you always remember it. Or you could put, I don't know, pictures in, in your wallet or it depends on what you've chosen. You can make it your own, but you are gonna wanna have some sort of like focal image or something or a focal word pasted somewhere, the wallpaper on your phone, something that's constantly going to remind you to help you, especially if it's your first year working with something like this. Also forgot to mention that a lot of people use tarot cards for this. Mine for the last year was the magician, which ironically enough, I chose the magician Um, And if you're not familiar, I see the magician card as kind of the card of constant creation. And so for me, what that card meant was I don't just want to live each moment. I want to create each moment. I want to create and design my life, much like the theme of this episode. Um, And I chose that at, at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. And I do a lot of tarot readings, right? I do them for me. I do them for clients. And I never really drew the magician for myself throughout the whole year. It was a card I chose for myself. And ironically enough, now at the end of the year, as I'm doing my readings, I'm starting to draw it, you know? And so jury's out on how 
tarot readings work. I've talked about it here before. There's definitely a lot of coincidences and synchronicities and weird things that happen. I don't know how they work or how it happens, but I do think it was funny that I'm finally drawing the card now at the end of the year, almost like I've, I've got that part of myself integrated and I feel like I have that part of myself integrated. So for me, 2021 was the the archetype I was working with was the magician, the tarot card, and my three core words were confident, liberated, and secure. And then I had a couple of little like sub goals and things that I wanted to work on under there. And it's the end of the year, and I got to tell you, I'm feeling confident, liberated, and secure. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling I'm feeling good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I hope I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for supporting the possibility department. I have some big plans and big changes coming up. I hope that you will be here with me for the ride. Follow me on Instagram. Shoot me a message and say hi. Come join my Patreon community. And please leave me a review. I'll love you forever. Thank you so much for being here every day. I thank my lucky stars for you. And stay mysterious.